Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What did you see about the Bears? Uh, we shut them down that way? No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, they're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> you can go now. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> That's the best part of the whole thing. The Thanks, Coach, at the end. That is. Thanks, Coach. That'll be enough. You just made history. Bears, That'll be enough. Bears Cardinals. Yes. You just, you can't, we can't not play that. I mean, we don't actually need a reason, but now we actually have a reason. Bears Cardinals. Yeah. Thanks, you, Coach. Thank you. Yes. The, thanks for the memories. Rest yeah. in peace, Dennis Green, from the 2006, That's where right. so many things happened. Devin Hester happened. Uh, Brian Urlacher happened. What else happened? Well, there were a couple of Rex Grossman passes away from actually he, crowning he had, their asses. He yes. had six turnovers in that game, I think. Rex did, or five, five or six. He did had four, he? four oh, picks in, I think, two fumbles. One of them was lost, I think. Something like that. It was bad. It was very bad. But even but even at the end, the, the with against the Colts. And by the way, that was the quarterback of the Colts. That is going the Manning cast is going to have Dave Letterman on Monday night. Oh, are they really? Now, I saw a clip the other day going back to the time Peyton Manning guested on Letterman show, and I forgot they did this. They were throwing. They were out on Fifty Third Street yeah. throwing footballs at taxis. <laughs> They were throwing <laughs> taxi cabs were driving down, and Peyton Manning put it in the backseat window. It was down. The backseat window was down. So Dave's got his footballs. Peyton's got his footballs. All right, here comes the cab. There you go. And Peyton still got it. That's and he incredible. said that. I still got it. That's awesome. You, you've seen the SNL skit, right, where he's throwing the balls at the little kids? Outstanding. It's, it's that, an all-timer. That is not only quality SNL. But it's quality Peyton. That's exactly who he is. The fact that he got so into it, and the backstory—it probably is just him playing with those with those little kids. It, right. <laughs> the backstory is he didn't want to do that because of the actual there weren't stunt backs or stunt footballs. He was throwing the footballs at the kids. He didn't want to do it. He said later, and. Parents are saying, no, it's all right. You can throw up my kid. I want Peyton Manning to throw up my kid and knock him down. <laughs> Did I heard- he said parents were volunteering their kids. No, throw up my kid. Really? Throw up my kid. Knock, just- him, knock 
that just, that just reminded me of, I don't know if you guys heard this, but I was watching like a year or two ago, watching some interview with Adam Sandler and he, they were talking about Billy Madison when he was throwing the dodgeballs at the kids. Uh-huh. I guess the parents got pissed at him because he was just beating their kids. He was, oh, <laughs> see, no, all these parents in this SNL skit, they wanted Peyton Manning to throw at their kids and knock them down. It's great. It was a wonderful part of the story. I have uh, opened up the box score from the Bears 24-23 win over Arizona on that October night. And, and what have you for well, us? Well, it's just amazing how bad the Bears' offense was that day. Not amazing. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, what's amazing about that? Um, Rex Grossman, indeed, 14 of 37, 144 yards and four interceptions. <laughs> Sacked twice for two for 14 yards. And then, like, Thomas Jones, 11 One carries. of them was run back, right? One of them was a, was it a pick, pick six. six? I, God. I, we, we can look at the scoring I, summary. I, but anyway, yeah, Thomas Jones, 43 yards. Cedric Benson, one carry for four little yards in that game. Wow, you'd think um, it was the Super Bowl. Check out, check out Edron James's line. Yeah, Edron it's, it's James horrible. was, it, yeah, th- oh my God. <laughs> 36 carries for 55 yards. Brian Urlacher wants to meet you. Have you met Brian Urlacher? Yeah. Here. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, it's just like, hey, Brian, Brian Erlacher is kicking his ass. So, yeah, keep, keep going. Yeah. Right, we're the, good. the Bears' leading receiver that day was Desmond Clark, four catches for 61 yards. Bernard Berrien, two catches, 31. So, yeah, they won that with the great uh, Devin Hester, who had. P- all toll, 100 and... Uh, yeah, punt return was 83 yards, right? Yeah, well, 83 yards, but he had six. He had he had 152 yards worth of returns that day. But yeah, 83 Which yards. Which is more than Rex Grossman had throwing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, like, it was just like... It was a really bad game for the Bears, like in a lot of ways, except for a little puck luck. And, and part of that puck luck came right down to Neil Rackers missing a 40-yard field goal. Neil Rackers, the old Illinois... And he missed the field goal uh, at the end. But that's... But that... That game is a wonderful example. We know why Brian Urlacher's a Hall of Famer, that game and other things. But that game would be a wonderful example of why Devin Hester should be. Yeah. As we get farther away from Devin Hester, like him playing, it becomes more obvious that he should be a Hall of Famer. And you are bucking a whole bunch of grizzled, flinty football people who say football before everything because a football player playing football and the game of football and they put Uh on their football helmet and we vote for football players and... They hate punt returners and kick returners. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, this one is undeniable. This one's undeniable. Right when you when you have to game plan around somebody, when you're kicking the ball out of bounds, when you're willing to give up, we're going to give up 35 yards. We're going to kick it out of bounds because this guy's likely to go for 100. Why do people in that room not realize that that was such a game changer? Everybody in that room, on whatever team they were on, would kill to have a game changer like that. And everybody in that room can agree that Devin Hester should be in the in the Hall of Fame. It's it's incredibly stupid. Those people there. I, I know Dan Pompey is a regular there. I have huge respect. Dan Pompey is a Hall of Famer. He's a thoughtful guy. We've, Get him in, we we hear him on the score. But you can't tell me that there should not be a a unanimous vote because nobody has been that dominant at that position that is so important because everybody in that room would have, let's put everybody who's not a writer or broadcaster, everybody who has been affiliated with the team or played the game would kill to have Devin Hester on their team and facing Devin Hester. 
They know he changes everything. He's a big part of why they won games too. Like you it wasn't just, just a little like a little fun entertain soldier boy coming out there doing <laughs> his thing, get the crowd all well, yeah, excited. The fact, the fact that you couldn't, you couldn't. The punts were no longer a bathroom break. It was like okay, yes. they're gonna do the punt, they're gonna do the punt, and they're gonna go to commercial. It's right. like oh no, I gotta sit right here because Devin Hester might do something. Yeah. But also like really, all you would have to do. To, uh, I think the, the 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 quintessential evidence to put Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame is put on the broadcast for Bears Broncos in 2007 when he took back two kicks because they just kept kicking yes. to him, and, and the announcers are sitting there saying like, "I don't get it. Like, what are you doing?" And I think that's the last time that anyone like deliberately kicked to Devin Hester because after that it was just undeniable. It's like we just don't kick to him. Isn't just don't do it. Isn't Ray Guy in the Hall of Fame? Yes, seriously. If Ray Guy is in the Hall of Fame. And Ray Guy was a great punter. Yes, he oh, was. With the the Oakland Raiders. Devin Ray Hester. Guy. Yeah, could, and third, he was the emergency quarterback, by the way. He did he? play quarterback. Well, Even after George Blanda, after he gave out, Ray Guy was my, your quarterback. My point is, is if you can make a case to get a punter into the Hall of Fame. And God bless Ray Guy or any – is Reggie Roby in the Hall of Fame? You can get a punter and that's great, but it, it that, that I think is – Ray Guy's the only one. Okay. Well, it, hey, if Ray Guy – if a punter is in the Hall of Fame, shame on the voters if they can't get Devin Hester in. And I, I don't mean to slight you, Guy. 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 Ray Guy. Guy. I, I, don't, I don't know how you could – whatever the criteria are where you have to – and the policy or the practice of – Somebody has to present that person's case from whatever city it is. It just seems like such an easy case to make that nobody, everybody should turn in their football card if you don't think Devin Hester's a Hall of Famer. That you have the best there ever was. Yeah. And he's got the stats to prove it. Yes. You've seen the game change because of him. And do you need anything else that you, you don't want a game plan against him and you can't wait as you said punts are no longer a bathroom break you you don't give those things up i i just don't understand how there could be any question but the bias against devin hester's that devin hester was always I, i could never understand why baseball writers never voted for closers we we've seen guys who can't pitch the ninth inning yeah we've seen guys who can do them better than anybody how come closers had such a tough time getting into the Hall of Fame? It's the most important inning. Get well, those three it, outs. it took forever to is Lee Smithson now, right? Yeah, he it is. took him forever. Right. And he was incredibly and he was the save leader by a hundred or whatever it was. Right. And if you're not going to put Devin Hester in, then then you might as well just shut down special teams. Then say, okay, special teams is not important enough to qualify for Hall of Fame. Because that's that's the real bias here. It is overall spec coaches go on and on and on about the three phases of football and how they're equal important. It seems like that's a bunch of BS the way they, they ultimately treat it in terms of honors and awards and the way players talk about special teams. There was also, I read this a, a, a year or two ago, someone actually took time to break down like the Bears' average field position on punts when Devin Hester was on the field was like markedly better than every other team for like his entire career. It's like the Bears gained like five yards of field position on every punt compared to compared to other teams. I can't remember how they figured this out, but it was like teams were, because teams were so scared of kicking to Devin Hester, right. they were giving up yardage right. to the Bears. Right. They were they were willing to kick it out of bounds and give you the starting point on the 40 at the time. Which, you know, because he would put it fine. in the end zone. 
You yeah. were, they felt they were gaining 60 yards on the play right. by well, not having... Yeah, because, well, and like, honestly, like, the Bears' offense, historically, not great. So, you probably have, like, at one point, there was probably a better chance that Devin Hester was going to run the kickback than, than, Rick, than, than the Rex Bears Grossman gonna was going to throw a yeah, touchdown. exactly. Yeah. Especially that Cardinals game, which is where we came in. And Quan Bolden, 12 catches for 136 yards in that Bears. You know what? That yeah. should be the new barometer yeah. for Hall of Fame voters. What's that? You should say each nominee's voice. In Pat Summerall? In Pat Summerall. And Quan Bolden, 12 catches. And Devin actually, actually the second best guy on Arizona receiving in that game was Troy Walters, four catches, 25 yards. This game sucked. Really? Yes, it did. Like, when you really look into this game, which is considered one you of look the Look at the gr- scoring. Weren't there, there was a special teams touchdown and two defensive touchdowns, right? Yeah. Um, I'm opening up the, the old play by play here. So I'll get, I'll, I will get that to you. Scoring plays only. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, by the way, Matt Leinert was the quarterback too for Arizona. Do you remember that? I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that incredible? He got out of the so, hot tub in time to... <laughs> yeah. So Matt Leinert. Okay, Matt Leinert um, to Bryant Johnson for an 11-yard touchdown. Made it 6 nothing Arizona. Then Leinert actually had a good quarter. A, a a touchdown pass to Anquan Bolden to make it 14 to nothing eventually with the extra points and all of that. Then it became 17 nothing Arizona, 20 to nothing Arizona, 20 to 3 Arizona, 23 to 3 Arizona, 23 to 9 on a fumble by Matt Leiner, recovered by Mike Brown, returned for a three yard touchdown play. Mm-hmm. 23 to 10 eventually. Um, oh, yeah, Steve, you're on to this, man. Fourth quarter, Edger and James. Fumbles recovered by Charles Tillman returned for a four-yard touchdown. And then the special teams. Yes. And then a punt by Scott Player. Sup, Player. Returned 83 <laughs> yards. I don't remember Scott Player. Bears, Bears became the only team in NFL history to come back from a 20-point deficit without without an offensive touchdown. And that's the only Without way. an offense, period. Yeah. Devin yes. Hester and then the extra point, which was necessary in that game. 24-23, to 23, the Bears win. Yeah, it's like it's funny because we only know the splash, and then you look into the game and, and what the box score says. It was God awful. By the way, Matt Liner, 24 of 42, 232 yards in the game, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So Matt Liner might have been the MVP of that entire game. Crown his ass. Yeah. All right. Erlacher, We're going to take tackles. a break. And when we come back, we'll talk some bull. All the Bulls are back. They're interesting. They're great. They're exciting. They're appointment listening. And we're going to talk to one of the men as part of the appointment listening radio booth. Chuck Swirsky will join us. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Over the timeline, don't want to foul here. Quickly dribble drive all the way to the rim with an easy right-hand layup, and the ball game is over. Bulls win! Bulls win! Bulls win here at the Garden in New York, 119-150. What a ball game. Indeed. What a ball game. Bulls, Knicks, like it ought to be. Bulls winning in the Garden. So I think we should ask our next guest here on Saturday Suckage if that was the best place he ever danced. Chuck Swirsky, the Garden. How is that dance compared to all of your other victory dances? Where does re- dancing in the garden after a victory rank? Well, uh, other than the United Center, probably right at the top. Uh, too bad. I don't even know, Steve. You would probably have a better handle than me. Is Studio 54 still around? Remember, that was the, the go-to place. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm not visited. Nobody's invited me. My nostrils remain clean, and I, <laughs> I don't remember dancing till daybreak. I don't believe it's around no. anymore. So it's it'll be the topic of documentaries. That's how we'll visit it together, Chuck. Yes, that's fine. But uh, it was an unbelievable game because the way the Bulls, you know, no need to mention this at the end of the game because at times when you're in the moment, everything's a blur. So he's looking at the statue. He says, Chuck, do you realize the Bulls won only one quarter of that game? And that was the first quarter when they led by 18 at the end of one. And I'm looking at the stat sheet, and sure enough, normally you win one quarter in an NBA game. Chances are it's not going to be good. But uh, in this case, it was. It was a very unusual contest. Yeah, and, you know, DeMar DeRozan in that game, 
34 points, 18 in the fourth quarter. Zach Levine, 27. But for my money, Chuck Swirsky, Nikola Vucevic scoring 27 and hitting his shots and starting to look more in rhythm with this offense was the most important part. Do you think that that was the necessary step going forward and now we'll start to see Vucevic like we know him? Well, you know, it's interesting, Mark, how his game is evolving uh, not necessarily by game to game, but by stretches, because you know he's trying to find himself with the arrival of DeRozan, and you've got Ball and guys who need the ball in their hands uh, with Levine, of course, and then all of a sudden he comes down with the COVID situation, and he's out of action for a couple of weeks. Now he comes back, and he's still facilitating at times the offense, but he's now he's taking the three shot. And he's been very, very successful um, knocking down threes, uh, normally at the top of the circle on draw and kicks. So um, the more he's comfortable within the framework of half-court sets, uh, the better it is for the Bulls because they have different ways of attacking the rim. Um, You know, they don't take a lot of threes, but when they take them, they make them. So I think that's another positive way that the Bulls are trying to, you know, manufacture the best way of applying offensive pressure to teams like New York, who's a very good defensive team. Brooklyn's a very good defensive team as well. We're talking with Chuck Swirsky of the Bulls broadcast crew. He and Bill Wennington will call the action against the Brooklyn Nets tonight at, uh, see, 545 is the 645. Yeah, it's a 630 game. Isn't it a 630 tip-off? 615 pregame? They changed it. Oh, they moved it uh, back because the uh, the Nets played last night, and so they're going to tip at seven o'clock Central oh, Time. My bad. We'll be on the air at six forty-five. Hey, not to digress, can I just say one thing? You should, you've got to Paul and Loyola coming up soon, right? Yeah. We did two forty-five on our airwaves with Zach Zayman and Dave Corzine. Yeah, and having done to Paul for fourteen years during the Ray and Joey Meyer years, yeah, I remember very let well. Me tell Chuck. you what. During that period of time, the DePaul-Loyola rivalry was very intense. And, I mean, it got down to where Gene Sullivan, you know, and Ray Meyer, they were coaching so competitively. And, you know, when Frederick Hughes arrived on the scene at Loyola and they had that great run. But let me tell you what, whether you went to Alumni Hall, Alumni Gym, the amphitheater, um, it was crazy, and it was great basketball, and I hope we get back there at, at some point with those two programs, especially with DePaul, uh, when the two clubs meet. I, I'm going to digress one more step down then, Chuck, before we get it back to the Bulls. But uh, you're right, the DePaul-Loyola rivalry, excellent. But the one that got me going, when I and I listened to a lot of you, Chuck, doing those DePaul games when I was a kid, and it was the Paul and Notre Dame. Those games, like, yep. I was nervous for those games. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when Digger Phelps was coaching Notre Dame, and he would come in to then the Rosemont Horizon to take on DePaul. And DePaul normally was a nationally ranked team at the time. Yep. There was, other than maybe UCLA, Digger wanted to beat DePaul so badly. <laughs> it was unbelievable. He would wear that carnation, as you know, on his suit, sport coat, and he would come in and he wanted to own Chicago. And it was great theater watching Digger on one sideline, Coach Ray or Joey 
Um, because, you know, when, when Digger first got that job at Notre Dame and he was coaching against John Wooden at UCLA, and, I mean, it became personal. It became very, very deeply intense. So those were some great days of college ball. Hopefully, you know, with DePaul off to a great start and Loyola, you know, under a new coach, uh, Coach Valentine, hopefully, um, you know, we'll see those games and see those moments. I think Digger just wanted to make sure he kept up his relationship with Hart Schaffner Marks. He wanted the suits. (laughs) He wanted the design. He never failed to mention them in whatever opportunity he got. He came into Chicago, and he was putting that boutonniere, he was putting that flower on his Hart Schaffner Marks suit. Oh, my gosh. There was, you know what? I loved, I loved those games. I, I, I mean, I maybe we can get Dave Corzine on the air to talk about those games because that really the the DePaul Notre Dame games late seventies early eighties really um, exemplified in a sense how two schools, two independent schools at the time, neither was it a conference, um, how they really put basketball back on the map in the Midwest, other than Big Ten. Let me wind it on back to the Bulls here, Chuck. The Bulls, yeah. I, I love that. I know it's early, but the one and two teams in the Eastern Conference square off tonight here on the score, and those two teams, in order, are Brooklyn and the Bulls. How are you looking at this game? Well, I'm looking at this game because, you know, at this point, uh, with a small sample size, even without Kyrie Irving, we knew that Brooklyn was going to be good. They're very, very deep. And Steve Nash has really done a nice job growing into a really good coach in the NBA. Now he has talent. He's got the best player in the game in Kevin Durant. But they're really playing, as we mentioned earlier, unbelievable defense. So that's a huge plus for them. And anytime you have two future Hall of Fame players on the court at one time, as they do with Durant and Harden, I mean, you've got a chance going into every game. And then you you, know, you have LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. who over the years has really killed the Bulls on that elbow mid-range jumper. And remember, they still have a chip to play, guys, and that's Kyrie Irving. He is not, um, he's not eligible to play because he's not vaccinated. And because of that, it's going to be interesting to see who blinks first. You know, will Kyrie get vaccinated or – well, the Nets kind of take a you know, an exhale and say, okay, you know what? We're going to trade them. Hmm. And um, I don't know where all this is going. That's kind of way over my pay grade. But it's interesting to see how this is going to, you know, hmm. the journey continues with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, for the Bulls, obviously, you've got a situation where things are really nicely forming into a, a, a cohesive unit. I mean, the the way Caruso is playing and the way some of the guys are coming off the bench now, everyone knows their role. And this is going to be a really good litmus test tonight for the Bulls because they beat uh, Brooklyn handily, as you know, at the United Center with a 42-point fourth quarter. But, but now you're playing in Brooklyn, and they're going to be up for it. So it should be a great game. I got Guys, I got a little bit of uh, breaking news from our boss, all our collective boss, Mitch Rosen, who reports, guys, Studio 54 is closed. 
And he says, Mitch says, he knew the owners. Uh, Mitch also wanted to clarify, 645 pregame on the score. And uh, Mark, read your email, 645. So I got in a little bit of trouble um, in this segment. But (laughs) we can confirm that Studio 54 is close. And Mitch knew the owners. Mark's going to have to stay after class, I'm in trouble, guys. I'm in trouble. Uh, Chuck Sorensen. You know, I, I, I read on Twitter, this is the anniversary of the Super Bowl shuffle. This is the 36th anniversary plus a day that it was released. And yeah. you um, you were like sort of the, you know, the, the Zelig, the Forrest Gump. You're around every great thing that happened in Chicago sports from DePaul, Notre Dame basketball to the Bears, the those Bears, the 85 Bears. What's when someone says eighty five bears? What's the snapshot? What's the picture in your mind, Chuck? My my snapshot is of Jim Finks. Okay, uh, and, and I'm telling you that because Jim Finks he, he built that yes. eighty five team, and yet he was not with the Bears in eighty five. You know, after after you know what happened is obviously that uh, you know he lost some power in the front office structure. And so he went to become on the president of the Cubs. Later, he ran the New Orleans Saints. But when I think of the 85 Bears, I think of unbelievable, not only great stars, obviously, but characters. And Steve, you remember this, is that there weren't a lot of us around at that time. The landscape of sports media has changed. We would go to Hallis Hall. And I mean, the players knew us by our first names. If I needed, you know, an interview with Willie Galt, done wow if uh, i was hanging around richard dent chuck you need anything today oh sure i mean it was unbelievable and uh you know what put the 85 bears in motion was losing to san francisco the previous year and they really dedicated themselves in the off season that that won't happen again and whether it was ditka and buddy ryan or whether you had mcmahon and then that defense that was unbelievable and then all of a sudden, in, with the Rams-Bears game, it starts snowing you know, in the playoff game. I mean, it was one thing after another. Uh, and then we had to New Orleans, and it was a blowout. And um, it was quite the season. But I remember the Super Bowl shuffle, <laughs> and uh, it was it's crazy. We were talking earlier about the, um, the 85 Bears in recent weeks had, had talked about Madden football and John Madden's involvement yep. in it. And Madden and Pat Summerall called that NFC championship game. And Madden and John Robinson were childhood friends. And yes. they had, John Robinson tells the story, they had dinner the night before. And with he had dinner with Madden and, and Pat Summerall. And they said, okay, don't, don't try to run the ball. That'll just get them angry. All right. And don't pass the ball because you can't. You'll get sacked. Yep. So just try to move the ball maybe a half a yard on three downs and then punt. And that's what John Robinson was saying. (laughs) Madden and Summerall were talking about that defense, which was spectacular and filled with characters. But, you know, when you bring up Jim Finks, he believed, and this is such, it holds true today for all the changes in the game. He built his game, his team, his winner, from the offensive and yeah. defensive lines out. Right. He built that whole that, offensive that's line. That's correct. Yep. But that's and what – Yeah. Uh, 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 Steve, let me tell you what. You were singing to the choir. 
Jim was awesome to me. I came to Chicago in 1979, didn't know a soul. He wrote me a handwritten note and invited me to come to his office. And so I got to know him. And so throughout the years, we would have a conversation about the draft, little things like this, Mark. And I would say, Jim, what, what do you do if you have four or five offensive linemen and the guy on the board is the best player and he happens to be an offensive lineman? Do you go for need? He goes, Chuck, I collect assets. That's my job because then I can flip them. And he loved drafting linemen, period. Yeah. Now, he knew the Bears needed a quarterback, and that's why I went for McMahon. But at the end of the day, he loved linemen. He was old school. He played in the NFL, as we know. But he believed that everything comes down to line play, offensive line, defensive line, how, how much you can create havoc defensively and how you can open up gaping holes for running backs on the offensive line. And that was his mojo. Chuck, so I want to talk a little bit about the the uh, the broadcast teams. You had Wayne Larravee in his rookie yep. year, right in '85, yep. and he did it with yep. with who with with it was it Butkus and, and Jim Hart and Jim Hart, yeah, and they were they and, were and, all and so, characters. Mark, there was a game where Jim Hart had just retired, and Jim was a former quarterback. People, you know, he had a great career with the Cardinals. He finished his career with Washington. So we're doing a Bears-Washington game, and he's, he's witnessing on the sideline play calls. And because of not only play calling, but also when the formations for the Washington, when they were on offense, he predicted – he was the Tony Romo before Tony Romo for that game. He called every play correctly, <laughs> exactly That's what awesome. they were going to do. And – that that season, because Dick would get so excited, he would talk over Wayne's call. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. So, so, <laughs> and then had to and, piss and, off Wayne you know, Larravee. Yes, you know, I mean, it would be it would be unbelievable. You know, um, you know how, how Wayne would describe it beautifully. You know, with McMahon throwing a ball to Dennis McKinnon. McKinnon down the ten. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and, and so then. I mean, and then uh, the the game against the Rams, Steve, Dieter Brock was the quarterback of the Rams, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dieter, yeah. Dieter Brock, it was said that he could he could throw 90 yards flat-footed. He just couldn't hit a receiver with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and some of those play calls with Buckus on Dieter Brock in that game. Oh, I man. Mean, <laughs> Hey, you know oh, what? Did God. you ever eat at Jim Hart's restaurant at Deardorff and Hart's in St. Louis? I it, did. I did. It was an excellent place. I had a great meal. It with. was. Yes. And, uh, I mean, St. Louis actually has, at that point in time, I haven't been to St. Louis in a while, but they've had some really underrated restaurants during that, that period of time. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that was an unbelievable period of time for the Bears. And, you know, then all of a sudden they lose Wilbur Marshall in free agency. And that was really the first step where 
you know, things probably start getting away from, you know, from success. Yeah. Yeah. It was symbolic of a lot of what happened in the NFL from, from their fourth uh, as in, cause it was kind of like free agent was kind of a novelty back then at yeah, that it point was. still, but Hey, last question. So did you do the, the halftime and pregame and postgame solo, or did you have a partner back then? I don't, nope. that part, I don't I, remember. Well, uh, I had hub hub was with me. Okay. Um, and, um, but we we utilized Hub in so many wonderful different ways on the broadcast, and um, but we did like about like this was maybe two two and a half hours before a game. We did halftime, we did post game, and it was just you know we took over the rights in '85. There was a, I mean it, it was very very competitive. It was up for grabs, and we actually got the rights the year before we went on the air. So. Um, you know, the station that carried the Bulls, or rather Bears, um, they knew that they weren't going to have a renewal. So it was a lame duck season. It was very, very awkward for Joe McConnell and Brad Palmer. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, my, my heart goes out to them as professionals, and I really saw that side of the business yep. kind of right before my very eyes when I was 29 years old. Before we let you go, Chuck, I want to get back to tonight's game, the Bulls and Nets 645 yep. pregame show. And the the melding, you t- Mark talked about it, and you guys talked about it when he brought up Vooch and and his fitting in. And I I had less fewer problems, fewer fears about him fitting in because he's such an excellent passer that I am knocked over by the the way Levine and DeRozan have been able to complement each other and take over the fourth quarter and give Bulls fans were used to be hiding in fear that, oh, my God, not again, not when the fourth quarter. And now it's just wait, just watch. You you can't yep. believe what you're going to see. But those two melding together the way they have this quickly surprised me. Has it surprised you? And where does this go from here? Well, um, you know what, Steve, from the, from the standpoint of surprise, I'll say this. I thought it would happen. I didn't know it would come this quickly. Uh, but I think it, it speaks volumes about where these two guys are at and what they want to do. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people, and DeMar has talked about this, whether it's the Lakers or the Knicks, I think a lot of people felt that he had seen his better years. The man is fourth in the league in scoring, but it's how he's scoring, Steve. He doesn't force shots. He didn't take a three the other night. He's, he doesn't take a lot of threes. He knows who he is. And I think that's great that a player can say, hey, this is my comfort zone. Steve, I honestly believe this. I think the man's going to eventually one day go in the Hall of Fame. I really do. I think he's going to put enough points on the board and the way he's conducted himself and the way he's been so transparent about his life that people get an idea of who he is, I think he's headed to the Hall of Fame. And I think with Zach, I think the man is just tired of losing. I think he wants to win. And I, want, I, I think he wants to put his stamp on this franchise. And when you have two players with something to prove, maybe to themselves, not necessarily to themselves, but to others, and it keeps the the motor going, bring it on. I think everyone finds, if you need another person to motivate you, uh, then, you know, probably in the case of DeMar, I think he's motivated himself to show other people they're wrong about him. 
I think the world of him. I think he's a great guy, and I think I love his game because it's a mid-range game, period. Chuck, well done. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you giving your giving, giving us some of your time today. Thank you. Hey, it's all good. No worries. All right. Chuck, Chuck Swirsky has been our guest on the Scores Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, Bulls basketball, 645 tonight. Chuck's pregame show, Bulls and Nets. Uh, in an hour from now, at 245 or so, you'll get pregame for DePaul Loyola, Zach Zaidman, Dave Corzine. They will be bringing you the action. So we're going to finish up here. i got to find out if Mark needs a ride home or a ride to the gym because that's what Happens, I have to stay so. after for missing emails. Yeah, that's it, true. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> Write your name on the grease board a hundred times. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, the WB Club has a day to celebrate, so we'll do that. Rosenblum, Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, The Score. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? Dude. Huh? Uh, I, I don't know, sir. You mind if I do it, Jay? 72. The dude turned 72 today. The dude from the Big Lebowski, yeah. Jeff Bridges. Oh, so Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, actually, yeah. yeah. I'm the dude. Thought maybe you were actually keeping track of the character's age. <laughs> How they're aging in, yeah. in celluloid life. The way you were posing that. Yeah. No. What's your drink, dude? White Russian, thanks. White Russian. So he was told by the Coen brothers, we got a script for you. And he read the script and he said, it's like they went to all those parties in the 60s with me. (laughs) Whatever was smoking pot or drinking white Russians, whatever it was, to the point where when they, he took, he read the script, he wanted to do it. And they said, well, what, look at the, let's look at the costuming. And a lot of that stuff that he wore in the movie is from his own closet. Oh, really? Yes. The jelly sandals, the the, the, the jacket, the, that stuff is from his closet, his Co- wardrobe. I, I, Why he saved that, I don't know, but he did. I think the Coen brothers did their research yeah. on Jeff Bridges. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, I think he's he's the guy for this role. Yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't he unhealthy? I don't know. I thought he had something. I yeah, I hope not. Not to bring it down here. I no, that's well. That's a great way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, but I thought he had had something. I thought he had something. Something. Well, the Big Lebowski, the dude. As of September twenty 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 one, he uh, he was in remission for cancer. Oh, good. Good to hear the remission word. But the R word. Yeah, that's not, it. Not good that he had cancer. But there you go. See, I was on to something. Yeah, you were. I know stuff. The R word is also rush. I guess he also got COVID while he was Jesus. still in treatment for cancer. So, is, is that, so the COVID was especially Mar- bad for him. Does it say that it's Mark's fault for bringing it up? Probably. Uh, it says, yeah, it says right here, uh, is Mark Grody to blame. <laughs> was, for, he yeah. <laughs> was he wearing a mask? Was he wearing a mask? So the dude has become a hero in the Zen Buddhist community every yeah which i had not really expected okay because of the according to bernie glassman who is a roshi which is a high 
a a high ranking Zen master. Okay, and he Jeff Jeff Bridges didn't know that the dude was. He says, "Do you realize you're a, a legend? You're you're thought of as the uh, a legend in the Buddhist community. Yeah, like he's their mascot. He's yeah. their symbol. This is, you got to be kidding me. This is our ideal. This guy right here. Well, have you ever been? There's an actual website dedicated to Dudaism. It's hilarious. God, that's ridiculous. I it's oh, it's awesome. I had seen that, but it's also the fact that Mo the Big Lebowski has all sorts of Zen koans, which are, you know, the the unanswerable questions. What's the sound of one hand clapping and stuff like that? So that's it. So that's the dude. He turned seventy two. All right. So he's alive to turn seventy two, Mark. All right. Okay. Leave him alone, and Mark. He's in remission. See, let's yeah. celebrate remission. It's that's it. <laughs> just. No, I just wanted to make sure he was okay. Today is also National Cookie Day. Oh, delish. Which one? One cookie. That's it. One cookie the rest of your life. What's your choice? Chocolate chip. But specific chocolate chip? Oh, like a brand? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe no. I I I know, like, I know what I like and I know what I've had, but I can't pinpoint from where I've had. C is for cubbies. Cookie. No, C is for cookies. Do you what? have one? You must have one. I do. I do because I had them because they're fresh baked. My my Trader Joe's has fresh baked chocolate chip cookies that you that are just spectacular on their own. And they any cookie with a shelf life, you know, is fresh baked and is going to be really good. These are soft. I don't like the hard oh, ones. Oh, no, no. All soft, I, yeah. Right. And these go together. If you put ice cream between them, use them as the ice cream sandwich end of them. Yeah. Spectacular. Okay. Dude. Trash Panda? I, <laughs> I would choose one cookie for the rest of my life. It would have to be my aunt's sugar cookies. I, I don't know. Ooh, really? I don't know what the hell she does to them, but they're unbelievably good. Like I, I swear she like sprinkles LSD in them or something. Like they're and they're like well, inf- they're, that would like, be fam- congratulations. They're famous, they're, fam- <laughs> they're famous through like there's like just an example of how well mo- how loved they are in my family. Like at this one family function a couple of years ago, we were just having a random conversation and we didn't me and my uncle didn't know that these cookies had, were present at the party. Someone mentioned them and our eyes lit up. We're like, where are they? Oh, <laughs> they're in, they're in the, oh, they're in the kitchen. And we both sprinted. We're like, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. They're, they're incredible. Okay. So this time of year, I raised the issue of um, molasses cookies and gingerbread cookies. Yes. No. Real nope. quick. No. no. I don't think I've ever had molasses. Yeah. I don't, I've never had molasses. Gingerbread. I'm out. I'm good with gingerbread. I'm I out. like gingerbread. Molasses are good and chewy. I mean, molasses like sounds chips. good. So, yeah. Yeah. By the way, Gene Grody makes a mean sugar cookie. Oh, yeah. My mom makes great chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Gene Grody, have anything to say about you going to get your yellow slicker? Uh, no. Galoshes? I'm sure I'll get, uh, hopefully I'll get some. Uh, she'll send it to me overnight. All know? right. Yeah. Grody will be here tomorrow, 9 o'clock. He'll be all, every pregame show you've got. I'll be on them all. Score, Bellevue, BBM. You can find me. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't have time right now to tell you all the things. Thanks for listening. 245 to Paul Loyola pregame. Goodbye. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. 
Forget it, Donnie. You're out of your element. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.